All right, we're here. Welcome to episode 17 of Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Michael History. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I review music, television, and film, interview guests from all walks of life, and provide social commentary on lifestyle topics. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen. And if we are on your preferred platform, let us know. We'll do our best to change that. Chanel on my face, gotta block the hate. Real low key, I be out the way. I'll take the Chardonnay with the Kobe stay. Meet me round seven, baby, don't be late. Yo, 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 yo. We back again for another episode of Versus Mike History. Back in the bin. How are you guys feeling? I'm doing okay. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. Um, I'm feeling all right. Uh, let me just get this weekly recap out the way. So, um, everybody's pretty much going back outside at this point. I wouldn't suggest to do that. You know, these businesses, they're opening back up, not because they think that it's safe, but because they need to make a profit again. So if you don't need to immediately be back outside in the bars, at the beaches in public pools and large gatherings, please don't let's, uh, help flatten the curve because, what it looks like is that there's going to be a whole second wave of coronavirus patients. And we don't want that. We don't want that at all. We want um, sunshine. We want uh, good times. And we want a summertime, man. Niggas don't want to be in the house all day. Niggas don't want to be in the house all summer. So stop being selfish. Uh, the song you just heard was Water in My Plants by Larry June. Uh, I apologize for not naming the song last week. That was, um, I believe it's called Eternal by the Free Nationals featuring Chronics. Um, and yeah, what up? It's a lot going on, man. Um, what else? Okay, so this episode is going to be kind of weird. Not weird, but it may be a little shorter just because I didn't really feel like watching that much TV this week. I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't... The the process of transitioning from doing interviews to doing straight reviews of television and film uh, has been quite draining, to say the least, in addition to starting some new work uh, on the side. So this week, I didn't really watch much. I got a couple things that I want to cover in terms of TV, music, and film. But for the most part, you know, um, I think we're going to get through a lot of this stuff pretty quickly. And... That's pretty much what's going on. I ordered some equipment so that I can have guests on the show, but Amazon's um, backed up. The post office is backed up. So the the stuff that I need to elevate the content to the next level is kind of waiting in the wing. But I got some cool stuff coming up for you guys. Like I'm really excited about it. It's all in the works. Um and before we get into the design of the week, I just want to talk about this poll that I have on my Twitter account right now, which is um, asking you guys what you would like to receive in the giveaway that I'm planning. 
Um, so the options were a Supreme doormat, which is in the lead, a Takashi uh, Murakami pillow, a cause companion, and what was the fourth one? It was, oh, Jeff Koon's balloon dog, one of the previous designs of the week. So go on my Twitter, um, at Mike History, and vote on that poll. So, yeah. So for this week's design of the week, um, I found another Instagram account. And I'm really glad because I feel like I'm actually doing uh, more thorough research to find dope designs. But this one comes from Furniture Archive, um, a nice Instagram account that posts a lot of dope chairs and furnitures and uh, furnitures, um, chairs and couches and other pieces of furniture like that. And it's really minimalist and uh, more historically uh, bored and... um, global in terms of scale but the instagram account itself has produced a blanket called the dream blanket and i'm just gonna read the um the caption that they came up with it because i didn't come up with one of my own so this required this required woven blanket is the first in a series of design objects produced by furniture archive the graphic incorporates sheet music from i'm only sleeping by the beatles abstracted against the existential question who are you in your dreams? In collaboration with Identity Crisis, a concept project project by visual artist Sam Kafar, the idea of this blanket represents sleep as a necessary part of growth and alludes to the blurring reality that happens while we dream, a time where we can imagine ourselves in any life we choose. As the world, as the world is on pause, I believe it's important to see this moment as an opportunity for internal growth instead of isolation. The silver lining is that maybe we can work on ourselves alone to come back better together. We hope this blanket inspires you to relax and recoup with clarity to be the change you wish you wish to see. That was pretty cool. But yeah, no, their blanket is fire. Um, it's actually sold out, so you actually can't get your hands on it. But I reached out to these guys and they were cool with me. Um, you know, highlighting this for the design of the week this week. So shout out to you guys. Shout out to Furniture Archive. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, I wasn't really looking for too much new music this week. Like I said earlier, it just wasn't, this week just wasn't my week in terms of um, indulging new content and things like that. Like there are only a few things that I really wanted to take the time out to watch. So um, I do got a little bit of new music. I got the Nelly and Versus. I got the Nelly and Ludacris Versus uh, battle to talk about. Uh, Future dropped a new album, High Off Life. And I decided to I decided to revisit an album that I thought was worse than it actually was. So let's get started with the Nelly versus Ludacris Versus. So in my personal opinion, Nelly got smoked. He did. He got smoked. Um, it's... It is what it is. Uh, now, to be fair, I am a big Ludacris fan. Like, I grew up being a big Ludacris fan, and I liked a lot of his um, his earlier projects that were, like, more street and more hood, and then he kind of became more mainstream after his Grammy wins and after he had access to more upper echelon artists because what I noticed early in Ludacris' career is that he worked with more of the artists that were in his area or that he signed, and then later in his career, he just straight up worked with celebrities. But um, nonetheless, I watched the battle. And 
people, a lot of people said that this was fair because Nelly had, because because Nelly's uh, hit records are so huge, but Ludacris literally has endless, endless, endless amounts of hits, hit records. One and two, even the records that even the records of his that aren't hits are still lyrically there to put up a a a fight against whatever Nelly is coming to the table with. But, you know, that's just my personal opinion. Um, Nelly seemed drunk the whole time. Not that he can't be drunk, but it just attributed to the poor connection and the poor audio that uh, plagued his his part of the battle. And even Timbaland and Swiss afterwards came together and had their, like, post-battle um, meeting, and they were saying how they call the artists who are involved and they give them this kit in order to make sure that their volume is fine and that their internet connection is fine. So I'm pretty sure that they're like now working with Instagram to make sure that they can have the best possible connection in terms of getting these uh, people to watch, which uh, I think topped out at around 500,000 for them, which was still really good, even though we're not breaking records, but everybody can't be, um, a snitch that's you know coming back to try to still clout from everybody but nonetheless um it was dope it was dope to see and i think that they put on a good show swiss beat uh swiss beats not swiss beats uh ludicrous is a professional and he did everything that he was supposed to do and nelly he played all the records that he was supposed to play as well but you know i think that the way that the battle went just showed how superior of an artist ludicrous is and um, I'm excited to see who's next. A lot of people have been saying that it's like Snoop and Busta Rhymes or Busta Rhymes and Missy or I don't know uh, what the official word is, but I'm looking forward to it because these battles are really good. And I think that I don't even like what I just said in terms of calling it a battle because it's not really a battle. It's more of a celebration of our culture's artists and putting them on a pedestal and really like shining a light on their accomplishments so i feel like we should kind of get away from that because it's not really a battle and it's not really supposed to be competitive in my opinion even though i mean well i don't know like it's i'm kind of in the middle about it but regardless of the fact it was a it was a good time it was a good event and um yeah wonder who's next uh future put out his album high off life that was about 21 songs. Um, it kind of sounded all the same to me, minus like three or four tracks. And I'm not saying that because I'm getting tired of Future or I feel like he's falling off or anything like that because clearly the first week numbers show that this was his best performing album uh, of his career, which is saying a lot because I don't feel like he put a lot into this rollout at all, one. And two, you know, like it's, I don't think he put a lot of effort into the body of music in general. Not to say that he's not an extraordinary artist and that he can't put together good records on a whim that maybe like lesser artists couldn't do when when taking out the time. But regardless, it showed that, you know, maybe it wasn't his best project. But regardless of the fact, it's some bops on there that I do enjoy. Um, I can't think of anything the name of anything off the top of my head right now. Uh, let me go ahead and try to find something. I'm going to go ahead and try to talk 
while I find the tracks on this album. And let's see what they are. Wow, it's not really, it's really not on here. I'm kind of upset. So, yeah, I can't find it. Oh, here we go. Uh, I like Trapped in the Sun. That was a good little intro. Um, Solitaires featuring Travis Scott was another dope one for me. Posted with Demons. Hard to Choose One. I think that's my favorite song um, on the album. Trillionaire, we, um, NBA Young Boy. I don't know. I don't hate it, even though I'm not a Young Boy fan, but. Out of the, the whole trap duet melody thing, it just didn't work there for me. Uh, I'm shake up the river, pray for a key. I think pray for a key was a little bop. Can't really remember. Um, and yeah, that's the only thing that I can I can really remember. It was a lot of tracks on this um, album, like I said. So I didn't really like. I listened to it all. I did listen to it all the way through, but um, it just. I don't know. It kind of didn't have the same. It didn't have the effect on me like Hendrix had on me or how DS2 had on me. And obviously, like, no artist is going to be able to deliver on that caliber minus like Hove and Drake and Beyonce or whatever. But um, yeah. What else? And oh, so I decided to revisit an album that um, I think that is critically acclaimed, but. In terms of personal review, most people don't really enjoy, or maybe I just personally don't enjoy it, but I feel a way about the album, The Blueprint 3. And I feel that I feel a way about it because I, because I think that it serves the same purpose that Kingdom Come served, which is the label needs a successful album to boost its sales and bring talented people uh, to attract talented artists to the label and Jay-Z did it the first time when he left uh when he quit music and he released the black album and then he became president of Def Jam and Def Jam was like we don't have any artists making high caliber music so he decided to make um what's that album called wow you know you know what I'm saying and he did it again with the blueprint three and for Rock Nation, though, because he founded his own label. But I don't know. When it first came out, I recognized the hits that were on the record, you know. But I still was like, this is not for me. Like, this is a pop album. That's really how I see it. It's a pop album. And the songs aren't terrible. Uh, what we talking about is a great rap song. Thank You is a great rap song. Already Home with Kid Cudi is a great song. The one with J. Cole, um, it's a great song. Even um, We Off That, I Can Enjoy. Hater, no, not really. Even though Kanye's verse on that is kind of underrated. Like, it's a little vibe. Um, Forever Young is on that album. That song is super overrated. I can't even believe how successful it was. I sound like a hater, but whatever it is, what it is. That's just my opinion. And I realized when re-listening to this that, yo, this album is just somebody trying to create a hit record on every song, back to back to back to back to back. And he accomplished that with um, the Black Album, but it wasn't, I don't feel like it was that poignant in terms of, 
I want to create a hit record for every song. I think it was just, I want to create the best possible album that I could create. But when he released, what album is this, man? Hold on. Hang on, guys, because I'm really going to get upset if I can't remember the album with Beach Chair and then, uh, hang on, Jay-Z, Magna Carta, Blueprint 3, Kingdom Come. And I said it on here already, but my memory's trash. But yeah, so I don't think that um, the effect that Kingdom Come had and the reaction to it wasn't the same because when he released that album, it wasn't to create a hit song um, on every track, but it was just to do um, to be successful on the label for the label, which it was. And Blueprint 3 did exactly that for Rock Nation, if not more, because every song was such a heavy hitter. Um, Run This Town was on that album. So, you know, like, maybe it deserves more credit than I used to give it, for sure. I would definitely say that. But I don't know. It's still not the best Jay-Z album. It's the most pop Jay-Z album for sure, I would say that's like top three most like mainstream or digestible to the masses Jay Z albums, um, with Magna Carta being up there as well. Even though I feel like he tried to take the whole the whole Yeezus swag, but that's a conversation for another day. And that is it on music. In terms of TV, even though I wasn't really with it this week, the stuff that I did watch was pretty entertaining. One of the first things I watched this week was um, Nadiva's Time to Eat, which is on Netflix. And that's like this family-friendly um, cooking show that's on Netflix. And it's the the host. I don't know who she is. I don't know where she's from. But I believe she's a, um, a Muslim woman. And she wears a hijab on the show. And it's family-friendly. It's like rated like TVG. And she just post things like um quick meals to you know make in the morning that don't take a lot of time because you know you got the kids you're getting the kids ready for school and things like that and i really enjoy it because first of all i really enjoy cooking shows um regardless of the fact but a trend that i started to notice in terms of cooking shows is that every cooking show wants to be edgy netflix itself since we're on a subject has created like two weed cooking shows and they aren't great they aren't terrible but they aren't great and i feel like they aren't great because they're focusing too much on trying to be edgy rather than trying to be productive and um conducive cooking shows like that actually show the process of cooking and you know how to be convenient and how to relate to the viewer and the other ones are just like oh well weed's going to be legal federally in america soon so we're just going to put these weed shows out and I don't know, I'm not with it. So it's a nice, it's a very nice change of pace. I like that it's on Netflix. So it's on Netflix and I don't have to go to like a different streaming service that's like more uh, pointed towards kids to kind of find this content. And um, I like the mix up, you know, I like the diversity. So Netflix, keep doing your shit on that. And I'm gonna keep watching that show and I may give some updates, but probably not because that's gonna probably be like a personal indulgence. But anyway, um, my brother was telling me about this show that it's on Hulu called 60 Days In, where people just go to jail for fun and then they record it 
and then they put it on TV as entertainment. So I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but uh, it's true. So I went I went on Hulu and I found this show 60 Days In. And boy, when I tell you people are crazy, people are crazy. Um, most of these people were of the white race. But there were some brothers and sisters in the mix. There was a young black man from Philly. And there was uh, a young black woman with dreadlocks. And I'm only on the first season out of six seasons of this show. But these people are crazy. First of all, you're going to jail. You're going to be institutionalized for fun. I don't understand. There's no cash prize, not that I know of, if they worked out some kind of cash deal behind <laughs> behind, the, behind the scenes. Cool, you know, like kudos to you. But this is all weird to me. Um, but regardless of the fact of it being weird, it's extremely entertaining. So the first season, um, you got a Marine, you got a stay-at-home wife, you got um, an older lesbian white woman, you have a younger uh, black woman, I believe she's straight, and you have this teacher, I, I hope I didn't say that already, and um, the young kid from Philly. So these guys um, all go to jail, and you know, they just, uh, Clark County Jail, by the way, and, you know, you just see them interacting with inmates and you see how they all interact with it. And the crazy part about this show that's so funny to me is that literally as it starts, everybody's in the meeting before going to jail. They're like, oh, this is moving all fast. Like, I don't understand. And it's like, nigga, you just decided to go to jail for fun, like, and put it on TV. Like, what do you mean everything's moving too fast? Like, how did you even come up with this decision in the first place? So it's a lot of fun. There's a spinoff called uh, 60 Days in Narco Land where people inf infiltrate neighborhoods and stuff like that, too. But that one wasn't as interesting. So I'm going to stick to 60 Days in. And that's on Hulu, like I said before. So um, go ahead and check that out there if you're interested. And last but not least, we're going to get into some Insecure because... That's what we do. Um, but Insecure this week was pretty cool. I don't know. I think that it was a filler episode for sure. Some interesting things happened that reflected on that kind of shed a light on Issa's character. But as a whole, nothing really happened. And I'm not too mad at that because series have filler episodes. But, you know, in a show with a show like insecure that like has only had eight episode eight, eight episodes in the past. And this season has 10, um, you know, it's still a little like word, but whatever. Um, it still moved the story forward slightly, just not as much as I would have liked personally. And we see Issa kind of doing these good favors. So she sees a guy get left by the bus. Um, well, before we get to that, Issa is ignoring everybody after the big old fight at, at the black party, but she's seeing the reception that is mainly positive on online, on Facebook. And then, you know, she just decides after ignoring everyone to just try to like get outside and get moving. So we, so she leaves, but we don't know that she's going somewhere and one of the first things that we see is that she sees that an old man 
get uh, left out by the bus. So she offers him a ride. And throughout this whole ride, he's complaining. He's saying, oh, her, her heat is up too high. Her air conditioner is up too high and this and that. And, you know, just making it a whole difficult process. And I think that this this scene was set to show how resilient is uh, Issa is as a person and how like good she is as a um like how good she is in terms of her character but you know it also showed that she can be taken advantage of uh, at the drop of a dime but you know regardless the scene was funny so there were comedic elements that that made it entertaining but all in all it was you know i could i could have done without it and then we move on and we see Issa at a paint and sip where she meets this engagement party and she hits hits it off with them really well. And she went to the paint and sip by herself, by the way, which I thought was weird because um, I already think paint and sips are weird. But to go to one by yourself is like, bro, what's going on with you, especially after doing something crazy like throwing a black party. But regardless, she was there and then she met up with the engagement party. They hit it off really cool. And quickly because she had wine and then they end up going to a bar after the paint and sip. They're drinking and enjoying themselves and they go to the bathroom. And when Issa comes back from the bathroom, she realizes that they dined and ditched her and that she was on some list uh, for their engagement party, which is like meet a stranger and then do a dine and dash. And then it's like, oh, you get extra points if you do them together. So Issa was pretty pissed about that. And this episode kind of like breezed by, but. Um, we got really dope cameos from Kyla Pratt and other black actresses whose names I can't think of at the current moment, but it was really dope and um, it passed the Beckdale test, I believe. I'm pretty sure it passed the Beckdale test. But regardless of the fact of it being a filler episode, it ended with Issa wanting to go to one of her favorite Ethiopian spots that we saw in the first season of the series and what do you know molly's in there chilling by herself and you know we get a moment where she looks in the mirror and her reflection and her reflection is like not because her reflection she's been interacting with her reflection for the whole episode so at this moment when she sees uh molly in the ethiopian in the ethiopian spot she looks at her reflection and her reflection is looking back at her like i don't know what you should do and Issa just decides not to go in. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. And to be honest, I can't be mad at her decision because everybody's like, oh, you should contact Molly. Well, Kelly specifically is like, you should contact Molly. And they have a brief conversation about that. And Issa's like, well, are you giving this energy to Molly? And Kelly's like, yeah. But at the same time, Molly's not reaching out to her. And Issa feels like she hasn't really done anything. And I think that I can agree. I just hope that the show doesn't turn into like we are creating situations to feel bad for Issa at all times because I'll be very disappointed by that. But I think that the way it's going now is definitely productive. So I hope we see more of how this ends. And where the fuck Lauren's at? Because we need to get that shit out the way. We need to get that shit popping because what's going to happen? And uh, I guess that's pretty much it for Insecure. And I think that's it for TV, too. So we'll end that there. Now, I was supposed to watch The Black Godfather for you guys this week. I said it on Twitter, but I just 
didn't have the energy. So I'm probably going to end up watching it this week. I'm going to hold it to myself to watch it this week in addition to The Longest War, which I've been putting off, and Becoming, which I've been putting off. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, should I just scrap it? Or do y'all really want to hear that? Because... I don't know. I like I don't try to get too political, but like I like to diversify the types of things that I watch just because of that's the type of person I am. And at the same time, um, I don't want to bore you guys with shit that y'all would never watch on your own. But I don't know everybody. I don't know every single person that's listening to this podcast, which is why I tell you guys to reach out to me. So if you guys would like me to do anything else specifically, just reach out. And um, I guess for movies. The only thing I have to talk about today is Bad Boys for Life because I finally got to see it. And I'm actually very happy that I got to see it because it was pretty good. There were things that I was definitely bothered by, but I enjoyed it and it just opened my eyes to a lot of things. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. So first and foremost, this movie made me realize that there should have been way more Bad Boy movies. Like it didn't really make sense that it doesn't really make sense that we were getting the third installment of this franchise in 2020. And the last one we got was what, 2004. And before that, what 1995, like that's crazy. Um, these two artists, well, not two artists. These two actors are big enough to have carried an entire franchise, but regardless of the fact it didn't happen that way happened this way. And the movie came together pretty cool. I think that what this movie did really good, was get back to having a story rather than it just focusing on all action because the first bad boys focused on story um and it had action in addition to but bad boys 2 was like 90 percent action and the story that they did come up with wasn't that compelling it was just visually they added certain elements like uh marcus's sister being involved but that didn't even have to really have to play out that way. So the fact that it happened that way, you know, didn't really make it more interesting. I mean, I think that they did it to make it more interesting, but it didn't work out the way they wanted to, even though a lot of people regard Bad Boys 2 as the best Bad Boys. And I felt like that for a long time, but I don't think I feel like that anymore. I think that Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys is the superior film. Regardless of though, Bad Boys 3 was good. It was great to see these characters back on screen. We saw a lot of characters develop, um, one of which was Marcus, who is retired. And I thought that that was cool because um, I wasn't really going to go for Martin still being uh, active in the police department, or Marcus, rather, uh, active in the police department after er how everything went down in Bad Boys 2 or whatever. And... I kind of feel the same way about Mike Lowry's character. I mean, well, Will Smith, whatever. You know what I'm saying. I kind of feel the same way about Mike Lowry. Like the idea or how they how they portrayed him in Bad Boys Three is not how I don't is not how I would see that character actually. What what I would see him growing into from the second to the third film, but regardless of the fact, it was still on brand from what we've seen in the past so i accepted it and then all the action and stuff with the brouhaha lady and her son and the action was pretty cool and seeing like might get more humanized because he was kind of like the super cop 
and they kind of brought it down a peg in this in this movie. But the reveal, spoilers, 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 the reveal that the guy was his son was like cheap and I didn't really fuck with it. But regardless, um, it's still made for entertaining elements at the very least. It's just that he didn't have a lot of dialogue and the end post credit scene where he's like, I have a job for you. It's kind of like cheap, just mainly because we didn't get a lot of time with this guy. One, two, he's like a grown man. Three, it's not like a compelling actor. Sorry to the guy. Um, I don't hate him. I just think that he was out of his league with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith and he killed the captain. So it was like, you're not just about to re-embrace your son after he killed the one guy who was looking out for you and the job that you absolutely love and desire and can't get away from. So regardless of all of that stuff, I still have fun enjoying. I still have fun with the movie. I still thought it was a really good time. I probably wouldn't enjoy it. I probably would have enjoyed it way more if I saw it in a movie theater rather than at home because I'm not really a home movie type of guy. But um, at least with certain things like my streaming stuff has to be streaming. I mean, my streaming stuff can stay streaming, but my movie stuff has to be in like movies. Like you can't give me some super 200, 300, $400, $500, $500 million movie and it come out and I got to watch it on my TV. So that's this whole quarantine thing within that element has been weird. I am excited to get back into the movie theater. I know that Mulan is coming out in August. Uh, um, uh, Chris Nolan's Tenet is coming out in July. I know there's another movie coming out in July, but I don't really, really plan on getting back out into the movie theaters so soon or like staying there and being there actively so soon but i do want to catch those movies or at least tenant and um give you guys those reviews and yeah i think that's pretty much it for for movies and i think that's it for today too so this has been fun like i said i got a lot of stuff on the way i'm really excited to get guests back on the show i got a lot of things that i'm trying to plan trying to set up and i'm really excited for everything that i have on the way and I hate to be like the guy that's like, oh, I got something on the way. But I do got something on the way. Like I said, we got the giveaway coming up. We got new content releasing soon. Uh, I'm going to slipped up and <laughs> spilled the beans. Um, and, you know, we're going to get more interactive. And we're going to figure out how, you know, to incorporate more of my friends and more people that enjoy this content onto the show. And we can wrap up there. So remember to send topics, questions, music, and movie suggestions. Follow the podcast on Twitter at VS Mike History and on Instagram at Versus Mike History. You can follow me, Michael History, on Twitter at Mike History and on Instagram at Last Name History. And of course, you can find all the content for the podcast, all the mixes, all the playlists, and everything more at VersusMikeHistory.com. And we will see you next week.